0: investment advisory services offered through Daniel Meyer, a registered investment advisor. During this show, Daniel Meyer provides general information, not individually targeted, personalized advice, and is not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and products or services should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory services. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Forge Private Wealth. By contacting Forge Private Wealth, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.
1: Coming up today, we play the game of risk, the retirement version. Um, The best part is... Welcome in to Capital Insights with Daniel Myers. The solution set is going to be designed in such a way that it's helping bridge the gap between where the client is and where they want to go. Your retirement matters. One size never fits all. There's no one approach in financial planning. There's no one investment solution or product solution that should fit more people than it's designed for. He has the heart of an educator. There's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. And now...
2: Capital Insights. In, everybody. This is Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. I'm consumer advocate Steve all Dan, of course, a fiduciary nearly twenty years, walking folks to and through retirement. You'll find his website at forgepw.com. That's forge the letters pw.com. And uh, well, there's so much more I could talk about, but uh, Dan, let's just jump in. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Very, very well. Thanks. Everything good.
1: Everything's good. Yeah. Uh, life is busy as usual, but, um, you know, summer is one of my favorite seasons. I love being able to get outside all the time, and it's, uh, you know, instead of getting a lot of sleep, which with my four kids, we never do, uh, <laughs> we need to be, you know, solar powered and let the sun recharge us, right? So that's what we're doing this summer.
2: Exactly. Well, all right. Um, well, as you mentioned at the beginning, we're going to play a game of Risk. Now, um, I remember that as a kid. You?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
2: so it's kind of a different a different approach to it but um we're gonna get what kind of questions that you ask folks um and um you're gonna ask me some questions that uh, you would expect to uh talk up to a potential client about so let's uh, let's jump in let's see what happens let's see how smart i am
1: <laughs> all right awesome well i think some of these are pretty straightforward so i think you'll be good but uh Yeah, usually we start with some foundational questions just to get a feel for, um, you know, who the client is and what kind of investor they are and, you know, if they have any, you know, initial thoughts in terms of what they'd like to accomplish. Um, A lot of clients come in stating that they have a certain risk tolerance. And so that's one of the first things we ask. So I'll ask you that. Um, What kind of investor, Steve, do you feel you are in terms of risk?
2: Um Well, I'm going to say I am in the moderate category and my wife is a lot more conservative. Is that is that typical response?
1: Um, Yeah, it's it's a very typical response. Right. Um, A lot of times if we're working with a married couple, one of the two will be riskier. Um, I have not seen any correlation between the husband always being riskier or the wife or if it's partners. It's just, um, you know, in the end you know, risk tolerance is a funny thing. It's, you know, you establish at an individual level, but you're also, and you're going to establish it at a family level and then even down at a portfolio level because it may be different account to account. So having differences within there is fine. It's just, it's part of the the big picture that we help manage.
2: And again, that that becomes the tricky part, right? So, and then you kind of put on the marriage counselor hat and you, you kind of bring them together,
1: right? <laughs> right, well- In some cases, it's it's not absolutely necessary for them to be one hundred percent matched up by the end of the process. As long as they agree that, you know, especially if they've got separate accounts, um, retirement accounts in each of their names that they would like to keep at a risk tolerance that's a little bit more unique to them than maybe the collective for both of them, that can be fine as long as it's it's not going to challenge, you know, kind of their long term plan and what they're looking to accomplish together as a couple.
2: So, how how do you dig deeper into maybe assess what? accurately reflects, uh, you know, my my preference for risk.
1: Right. Well, I think first, you know, in addition to asking, you know, where they feel they are in that spectrum right out of the gate, you know, we always want to establish some of the other things that are a little bit more foundational in terms of the portfolio before maybe diving even deeper, which is questions like, you know, what is your in making sure we are familiar with um, the ages of the clients, if they've not already been an established investment or planning client, um, and then also, so I'll ask you this: um, How far out do you t- intend to potentially switch from maybe a saving investor and growing investor to drawing income for one or all of your accounts? At what age? Or how f- how far out from today? Oh, how would far you say? In oh, years? Okay, let's say.
2: Yes. All right, I'm just going to go with seven years seven years mm-hmm. okay
1: excellent so knowing how far out the client is from potentially needing to turn and maybe start taking distributions from a portfolio um, tells us a lot in terms of the time frame we still have left to take risk within the portfolio I
2: see okay
1: right so um, and it's and it's important to know because I will make two distinctions here that we will have, the, let's call it risk appetite or profile of the investor, but we also have kind of a risk profile that's built because of the the planning details that we have. And sometimes they don't just sync up magically and we need to, you know, kind of work through things. So if someone said, Hey, I'm, I'm taking income in seven years, but I'm an aggressive investor and I want to stay that way. Um, we're getting into that zone where maybe if we have some, you know, market risk or high volatility, um, the idea behind looking at the timeframe is if we have that downside pressure on the portfolio, do we still have time to make it back up? And if we start to get into a time frame, maybe a couple of years down the road where we're even closer, um, dialing it back so that we don't have that downside exposure is as many times why we have that discussion.
2: All right. The, and, and again, it's an interesting way to go folks. If you'd like to get a head start, let me give you a number. It's 888-908-0503. And uh, so we're kind of establishing what uh, the kinds of things that you want to know from us as we start to put a plan together. And uh, w- what are some other things that you need to know?
1: All right. Um, well, in addition to asking their thoughts up right out of the gate in terms of where they feel they are from a risk standpoint, I like to put it to the test a little bit with a couple of hypothetical questions. All right. right. Um, really getting into it and seeing the, the if-then scenarios and if it lines up with what we've discussed. So I'll ask you the question, um, what action, Steve, would you take if your portfolio lost value over a three-year period? And I'll give you a couple of options to choose from, okay? Mm-hmm. You would first move my investments to a more conservative portfolio to avoid losing more money. Second option, continue to follow my long-term strategy or third option, develop a more aggressive strategy to recover my losses. Uh, I'm going to go with B B. Okay.
2: Why make don't we sense? try another one?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. If the stock market were to fall by 25%, what would you do? Do nothing, Wait a few months to make a decision or sell your stocks promptly.
2: I would do nothing initially. Okay. Because I mean, I don't want to sell at that point.
1: Okay. Tell me, is there a threshold of, let's say, market loss where you feel like you would make a change? And what would that change be? Would it be in that direction of going more aggressive to make up losses, or would you pull your money out and try and avert from future losses?
2: I, I guess the uh, the conservative side of me would say, yeah, let's just kind of move it out a little bit. Okay. The, the trick there, obviously, is that, you know you move it out when you put it, when you put it back.
1: And that's a very tough thing to time, right? It's uh, a lot of times when we are faced with that question from a client, um, you know, I, I don't like what's happened in the portfolio, or I'm concerned about what I'm seeing in the markets. And I want to pull some or all of my portfolio out of the market into cash. Um, first off, you don't necessarily know without a crystal ball at that moment if are, are we at a new market low and are we going to bounce back up from here? If the market's down, um, is this going to be something that's sustained? And we do have quite a bit of downward pressure, and you know, market loss is still to go. You don't always know, and it's it's very tough if you're taking in you know, the news of the day from the major, you know, media outlets and the way that they report financial news to time the exit and entry back into the market when sure. you come across that situation. Right.
2: <clears throat> well, I mean, even Warren Buffett can't do that.
1: No, no. And that's, that's why we have this process. It's really to establish that initial risk tolerance, which I would rephrase in some cases as loss tolerance. Um, Because ultimately, I think every investor out there would say, oh, I, I would love to get the maximum amount of growth possible if there was no downside. Right. Sure. Uh, but that being said, the more upside potential we build, you know, or seek to accomplish with a the portfolio, there is inherited, you know, inherently usually at higher level of risk. So with that, we need to accept the potential of loss in the portfolio and make sure that it aligns with what the investor's expectations are.
2: All right then. And uh, so how do we, uh, um, how do we be more proactive in terms of, of, our, of our plan and, and how do we do that?
1: So, I mean, staying within the context of the risk tolerance discussion, right? Sure. Um, the idea here is that, um, first off, this discussion cannot happen once and not ever again, it needs to be an ongoing conversation with the client and their advisor. And like I said, it's also not going to be unique to just one risk tolerance that's going to you know, span across their entire financial picture and every account and every situation. Um, and a good example of that is it may make sense to have kind of a collective risk tolerance for, let's say, if you're working with a married couple and they've got their retirement portfolios and their long-term assets to uh, align those as much as possible with where we're looking to go long term, but you may have be also working with a couple of education accounts that have a different time frame. Um, you may have money that is invested in a taxable investment portfolio that has an entirely different objective, maybe a shorter timeline that is not going to be invested the way their long term assets are. And so, initially, it's getting the lay of the land uh, correct and really understood and transparent between the client and the advisor in terms of expectations of what we're looking to accomplish and how much risk we're going to take in each situation to try to accomplish it, right? And then from there, we move into more of the ongoing service.
2: All right. Well, Dan, I, I mean, you're, you're taking me down a path. I really like that. Let's see, uh, let's see what happens in the next segment right now, though. Let's take a break and invite folks to call.
1: Sounds great. Well, you know, in describing this initial part of the process, it's really just the first, you know, peel of the onion, right? Um, Once we've done this, there's so much more that's to be done. Um, But it's really the foundation for an advisor and a client establishing a relationship. And so in listening to this, um, if you feel like You need a new assessment from someone, make sure things are properly aligned. Um, A second opinion or a first opinion, if you haven't worked with an advisor before, um, we do this because there's a lot of uncertainty out there. It can drive feelings of nervousness and fear regarding the markets and where you're going. It can drive concern about your ability to accomplish your long-term goals. Um, This does not necessarily need to be the case. We can help you. We do this um, on a regular basis. We take pride in it. We love doing it. Um, And and that's also why we do this show as well. For the next 10 callers, we'll offer a no-cost obligation, and no-obligation financial review to take a look at everything and see how we can help you. Um, Believe me, with the uh, resources that are out there and just the different processes and things that we can put in place, um, I know that we can help you get better aligned with where you're at and where you're looking to go. And it's just, uh, you know, come in, test the waters with us and see if we can help you out.
2: Fantastic. Uh, Let's go ahead and make that call right now, folks. Dan's waiting for it. 888-908-0503. You'll get a comprehensive financial review showing you where you are today. But more importantly, it's a roadmap, if you will, that'll help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 888-908-0503. 888-908-0503. Zero five zero three. So once an advisor and their client establish that initial risk tolerance for their investment portfolio, what are the immediate next steps and once taken, expectations? back on Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Uh, We've been having a great conversation. So in the first segment, um, you know, Dan queued me up and made me answer questions. So this time we're going to turn it around. But rather than, um, you know, me asking him a question about what he's doing, he's going to ask me about things that uh, make my portfolio better. Um, So you want to you want to plan to use uh, established risk tolerance, uh, as well as expect moving as well as what to expect moving forward. So um, let's see. Top of the list. Uh, tell me first, how do you use the risk tolerance information r- regarding my investments? How does that work?
1: Sure. So, I mean, we do this for a purpose, right? Um, the risk tolerance is a measure of the degree of loss an investor can you know, tolerate or is willing to endure within their portfolio. Um, And like I mentioned previously, it's broken down. You can do it at a family level, at an individual investor level. Um, You can also look at it account to account, depending on their unique objectives and what the client is looking to uh, use those accounts to accomplish for them. Um, So, you know, establishing that initial risk tolerance at these different levels is important because it gives us a starting point. In addition to that, it really informs when we put together those financial projections and planning in the planning process that we talk so much about. um, How much risk are we assuming, and what are the potential rates of return we can assume in projections? So we know not only where we're starting today with the portfolio, but how 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 this might go if we project out over time, and what rate of return we can we can aim for.
2: All right. Well, that I like the way that sounds. And and uh, so as we look at this. Um, so once, once an allocation is established, how do you put the right investments in there? I mean, how do you know what I like?
1: Right. So, so that's what we first do, right. Is I I think most people think of that risk tolerance, you know, if you've seen it before in terms of a number scale or anything else, um, usually it translates in your mind to a percentage of, stocks and bonds, right? Or an Mm -hmm. allocation. And I would say that we break the allocation out in the work that we do into several broader categories than that, right? It's not just stocks and bonds. Um, It's foreign and domestic equities, it's different types of bonds, Um, it's alternative investments, they play an important role, Um, and even maybe a small position in cash and how all of that fits with the tolerance of the clients collectively, and then within the different accounts. Once that's established, You know, how you select investments is very unique uh, to the advisor that you're working with. Um, Some out there favor um, putting together an entire portfolio of direct stock holdings or maybe some direct bonds. Others may use, you know, a mutual fund portfolio, um, third party money managers. Um, Some also will use uh, annuity or insurance products as well as part of the investment picture. specifically for this part of the conversation I want to talk about um, you know in the accumulation phase so maybe prior to looking at building an income portfolio, what would that look like and for us, um, it's not 100% in written stone that we would do this every time but we tend to favor using um, exchange trade funds to build the bulk of a diversified portfolio okay So this is a, a preference for us because, We like to manage portfolios at an asset allocation level, uh, but we do it using a model-based system. We like to make sure that we can be um, flexible and mobile within our allocation so we can get in and out of things in a very liquid format. uh, So we're never stuck holding something beyond when we would like to for a client. Um, And it also allows us to have a very low internal cost um, for the underlying investments that we're holding for the client as well.
2: Well, okay, that sounds great. I mean, but after the portfolio is established with the proper investments and risk-based allocation, so how do you manage the portfolio moving forward? And and I'm going to throw this out there too: is that, is it that this is where being a fiduciary and working with a fiduciary firm such as yours really comes into play? Because I know you're looking out for me.
1: Correct. It's it's I believe it's incredibly important if you're out there you know, interviewing advisors and getting a feel for who different advisors are, make sure the person you're talking to is a fiduciary and that their interests line up with yours. Um, We operate that way. Um, And then the next layer down to answer your question and in terms of what it looks like after we've established the asset allocation, the investment selection, how it's monitored and managed moving forward, um, I believe, could be just as important for the client as all of that work that you would do to establish that starting point in the first place right mm-hmm. so first off we use a model based portfolio system what that means is um, we do have the ability to customize portfolios for clients to a certain extent um, but we do have what i would say are you know risk-based portfolios that are model driven so that we can take information in real time apply it to the portfolios and and not just have a client's account not be included in the things that we're doing proactive. There are advisors out there that would not utilize a system like this. And very commonly, they will put together a portfolio that maybe, you know, does a good job in that initial part of the process. It's aligned with you from a risk standpoint. They selected some good investments. But then beyond that, um, how are they taking in new information and adjusting the portfolio based on what's happening in the markets and what's happening with the client. And if you've got even 50 or 100 client families that you serve, if everybody's portfolio and everybody's, you know, you can have one client family with three or four portfolios and they're all different, how can you possibly be proactive without a model-based system, right? So that's uh, number one, how we operate. Uh, Another distinction is that we do this with discretion. Discretion means that after we establish a contract with the client that not only establishes the risk tolerance, but kind of the flexibility that we have to operate on their behalf in different categories of the market or asset classes within the market. So, how high and low can we go in equities for the client, in bonds, and alternatives, and cash? And once we have these rules established for that client, um, discretion means that we can proactively make changes in the portfolio without reaching out to the client advising them on what we think and asking their permission time and time again. Uh, without that, as you can imagine, even a really simple change of swapping out one investment for another might take an entire financial quarter, to reach out to every client, play phone, tag, execute the change, go to the next client. It just, it's not timely enough of a, a model to work with, um, given the way things operate nowadays. Sure. Um, that being said, it's also something that's not done by everybody, and it's an important question to ask if you're working with an advisor and you tend not to see any activity or any proactive changes in your portfolio when you're not meeting with them. And if those you know, changes only come when you tell the advisor that you're not happy or when you go in for a meeting and ask for changes to be made, um, that, that's not a model for success, in my opinion.
2: Right? I mean, it's the client asking for a change.
1: Right, or even if you meet with your advisor on a semiannual basis, and there's only ever a recommendation for change, when you have that meeting face-to-face, what happens for the other six months, right? Right. It's, uh, I mean, if you've got a, so the combination of discretion and a model-based system allows us to then put together a process where, um, and we don't do this, I don't just do all this myself. I've always stressed the importance of having a team I know a lot of advisors out there kind of wear a lot of hats and in the portfolio management side, wear all the hats. Mm -hmm. I think that is incredibly difficult to do. So we have a team of specialists where some focus on the economic research, others translate that into portfolio positions. And then we have a process of interaction between that team and the advisors on behalf of the clients so that we're always proactively monitoring What's happening now? What may be coming down the road? What does it mean for the portfolios and how are we adjusting to accommodate for it? Sure. If we didn't have discretion and we didn't have a model based system, we could not be that proactive in in the ongoing management process. Does that make sense?
2: It does make sense. A question about the model based system. uh, So with that, Obviously, with these with the model-based system, then y- many of the things that you would choose to do are are repeatable things, or things that you can repeat, right, and and still be successful.
1: Right. Uh, are you talking about the process of? Uh, clarify a little more with me what you what you mean by that. I mean, I'm again,
2: sorry. just uh, you know, I mean, the the choices that are made, the the the. Investments that are done, we don't want to say it's a model-based system. You're gonna, you're gonna take it down a path, and, and again, you know that this particular path for this particular person is gonna work.
1: Right, right, and so it's important both for that, but it's also important for that timeliness piece that I mentioned before. Okay, right? sure. So, so I'll, I'll, you know, kind of put this to you in a different way and tell me if this clarifies things. Right, um, if I've got a hundred client families. And even if they all have portfolios that I've constructed using the same criteria, and um, I then decide that I want to make a change, even if I have discretion, I have to go and do a hundred portfolios and make a hundred trades, right? Yeah. If I've got a model-based system, and let's say all hundred client families are not going to be in the same, you know, model, but right. let's let's say for ease of discussion that there's five risk-based models, and they all fall within one of those five, right? Hmm now we don't pool client assets so if i go in and make a change to a model it's not going to you know block all the clients assets together to make trades but it is going to create a trade list that means if there's 30 client families that are using model one and i go into the model and in and, and put in a change it's going to put together a trade list of the 30 accounts it's going to execute it. And all of them are now current to what we'd like them to be holding at that moment.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, gosh, that, that's very cool. What a What a great system. And uh, you are certainly well versed at creating successful retirement plans. In fact, let's invite folks to call. We've got some more spots on the calendar available.
1: Excellent. Well, you know, I, I took quite a bit of time there describing our process because I think it's incredibly important And no matter what plan you do or the initial assessment you do to get a portfolio set up initially, how you operate moving forward is incredibly important. And, you know, with the uncertainty out there today, um, if you don't know that when you leave the advisor's office that you work with, that they are proactively working for you so that you can go off and do the things that are important for you in your life, it doesn't give you that peace of mind that you're still on track. You feel like you still have to keep your, your advisor in check and doing the things that they need to do for you. So I think making sure you have someone that's working in that way is incredibly important. If you'd like to learn more about this, see if it's something that can uh, align with you. And if we can help you, we'd love to sit down and have a chat with you. Uh, Give us a call. We set aside time so that those that listen and have interest can learn more and see how it applies directly to them. 888-908-0503
2: that's the number folks It's a great opportunity for you to come on in sit down get a financial roadmap put together and maybe you're looking for a second opinion Daniel and his team are there for you they will give you that review no cost no obligation you just need to make that call right now. 888-908-0503. You're going to get a comprehensive financial review and uh, you'll see, yep, here's where I am today. But more importantly, it's a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be. 888-908-0503. Again, 888-908-0503. Okay. So with risk tolerance established and proactive portfolio management now, Place, what are some other things to think about the end now capital insights with
0: Daniel moniden
2: And we're gonna jump into it here, but I have a couple of questions um, from the previous segment that I think should be should be good. We, you talked about uh, the proper portfolio management.
1: Right. yeah, there was a couple other things to add to it, right? which is um, you know we've talked about the discretionary pro- you know what discretion means versus non-discretion. We talked about, you know the ability to be proactive with that coupled with the model-based system and constructing it with something that, allows you to be very uh, nimble and quick on your feet in terms of the, uh, you know, low cost structure and ease of trading within the types of exchange trade funds that we use. And again, it's not a hard and fast rule. We do occasionally also use uh, mutual funds. And we do also have an in house off um, option to have a uh, stock portfolio that is unique to our team and our portfolio management structure that embeds really well, right within a system that is built with additional exchange trade funds around that. Okay. Uh, But that being said, I I think not only the proactivity on the management side is important, but I also think uh, the communication side um, out with the client as well. So usually you would think about the regular meetings that you would have with the client to go through, you know, here's what your portfolio has done. Here's how it's positioned now, and here's where it's going. Uh, but also, we like to really take an approach of, you know, as much transparency as possible with our clients. So um, we regularly take, you know, calls whenever some, I mean, we make it very clear that we're always open to hear from a client regarding what's concerning them or what opportunity they feel like, you know, maybe we should be taking more advantage of. In addition to that, you know, I mentioned how much research we do on the front end well, we publish that research as well. So in addition to covering it in meetings, you know, and occasionally in, you know, market updates that we do in different formats, uh, the client also gets something from us every month that goes through uh, the economic news that we're observing, you know, some of the things they're seeing in the news and even what it means for the different categories of the market, like equities uh, and bonds as well. Okay. right. So, and then lastly, uh, before we move into kind of that retirement transition piece, It's also um, notable that, you know, we have a very comprehensive team that we serve clients with, and it's not just the advisor, uh, myself, and the portfolio management team that I have. Uh, We also have a full service tax department. Uh, We can do the estate planning, not just, you know, recommendation of a type of plan, but down to putting together documents, a will or a trust, and, uh, you know, even giving advice in subcategories like, you know, Medicare or social security. Um, and with that, as you can imagine, when I describe the way the advisor on, and working with the client interacts on an ongoing basis with the portfolio management team, you know, there's benefits to collaboration with those other departments as well. I mean, in many cases, even though we're using a model based system, um, it does not factor out unique uh, client situations like a uh, if an account is taxable, we're not just gonna put trades through on a model-based system that might push them into a tax category they don't wanna be in. Uh, We're always going to have the system set up such that we take into account all of those details. And when in doubt, I mean, the ability to have the CPA who's doing the returns on the team for that client to be able to come in and say, here's how they're sitting year to date with their taxes. Here's where you're at with the trades you've already done. And given where the year is going and what you'd anticipate doing, here's a couple of scenarios for how it might play out. And here's exactly how it would affect your return. I mean, I can't stress enough how much having that team in place so that you can be proactive both in portfolio management, but also in all the other areas and benefiting from that collaboration, how important that is. Sure.
2: So uh, I'm your investment and planning client. Um, and so I'm wondering, as I get to that transition point, uh, that, that kind of makes me uncomfortable. If I'm going from saving into spending, uh, help me through that.
1: Right. So um, I, I've used a phrase with clients in the past when we're talking about this, and it's, you know, you have an asset allocation or a growth allocation for your entire life. And when you look at retirement, um, you have to slightly change your view on things and your mindset and think about in terms of an income allocation. Um, and almost that you're going to have both at that point, an income allocation and an asset allocation. Um, and I'd like to go through this in the context of a quick case study, if I can. Love it. Yeah. I I love the case studies. Yeah. And I'll try do my best. Um, see if I can get through this in a way that makes complete sense in the time that we have. But so here, here's, here's the situation that I've come across time and time again. So I did create, um, a more generic case study to highlight a situation that I've come across multiple times. Okay. So our. Um, our hypothetical client's name is Kate. She is 60 years old. Um, She's retiring this year. Now it's the context here is I'm using market data starting in retirement year 1999, because that's just in advance of obviously one of the times of market volatility that we had, right? Okay. Yeah, sure. And I'm also going to put the backdrop on this that um, all different investment advisors and wealth management firms out there take a different approach to, you know, how would you position a client to go through those, you know, years of retirement in terms of using a liquid portfolio or maybe positioning, you know, some of the income options up there like an annuity, um, which is one option. We do have strategies, the model-based strategies that we discussed earlier that are designed more for the distribution phase, right? That also work this way. But for the hypothetical discussion, um, because I you know, I think it becomes clear when I talk about that portfolio management process that that's really something that we focus a lot on and we believe in what it can produce in terms of results. Let's look at what happened if Kate, um, then retiring in 1999, um, is going to be invested in the equity market and is going to take, uh, 4% withdrawals per year. Okay. She's also going to increase her withdrawals by 3% each year, uh, to adjust for inflation. So not 4% to 7% of the portfolio, but if she were to withdraw 40,000 in year one, she'd withdraw, you know, 40,000, whatever, yeah. uh, 3% inflation increases. Right? Sure. Um, in 2017, um, after being invested in just the, uh, the broad indexes, she would have, uh, her value would have changed from a million dollars to 257,000. Oh my God. Her index rate of return average would be about 6%. She would have withdrawn about a million dollars, but she's her total change in value of account is down about 75%. Yikes. Okay. Is this, uh, are you tracking with me so I far, I am Steve, indeed, yes, yes. Right. And so, you know, it's important when we think about the shift from you know asset allocation to income allocation to think about you know there's there's different risks than when you're accumulating right timing of distribution you know and the sequence risk these are things that just are, are added on top of the normal market risks inflation risks that are already out there for an investor and so what we examined in the hypothetical was what if 10 years prior with proactive planning we had split her portfolio Um, to produce income for her in 10 years. And for the ease of discussion, let's assume that we could have carved off $500,000 from her portfolio and that would have replicated her future 4% distribution. So it will eventually create that $40,000 distribution. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's look at this, not just from the context of her being able to sustain the distributions, because then obviously if we've designed this correctly, that forty thousand dollars, you know, should you know, be indexed as well. She'll have that on a sustainable basis. But the interesting part to me is, what do you think happened with her investment portfolio? It grew. So, here's what I would tell you: it not only did it grow, but you know, it's starting at a smaller value than five hundred thousand in 1990. Um, assuming that half gets up to five hundred thousand, not a million in 1999 when she retires in 2017, following the same indexes and getting that same 6.05% return, the portfolio is worth um, almost $1.1 million. Right. So the change in account value, right, is 117% versus negative 75%. But in the background, she still had that income distribution the entire time. Right? Yeah. And so I I, I love this context. Um, You know, even you know looking at these different details there's different ways to parse the numbers or discuss this but you know the way we like to manage liquid portfolios you know we designed this you know model based system with the lower internal cost because it can be a beautiful complement to a income strategy and and looking to maximize growth on on the side of what you're doing to create income and cover your base expenses right mm-hmm. and if your objective in this, you know, doing this is, yeah, I wanna make sure that no matter what the market does, I have my base expenses covered, I have my income coming in, but I also want you to show me how to optimize the value of my portfolio, right? Um, In a situation like this, you know, I would not tell someone, hey, invest in an annuity option because it's gonna outperform a liquid portfolio. But when done correctly, if you take that burden of distribution off of the liquid portfolio, the client then can let that portfolio grow, take, you know, maybe not systematic distributions, but distributions as needed. Um, They could finish with a much larger portfolio, even having cut it in half as part of the planning process, right? And so I think that that is a good example of that transition period and, you know, an example of a strategy and what it can look like.
2: I like it, uh, Daniel. And, And again, so let's wrap it up. Let's invite folks to call one last time.
1: Sounds great. Well, you know, we talk a lot about risk that's out there, the fear it can drive. Um, In this hypothetical we just went through, um, imagine, you know, the peace of mind that can be accomplished if you plan in advance, establish a baseline that's going to cover the lifestyle that you've been planning for, and then are still able to take advantage of, you know, growing a more traditional invested portfolio and try to optimize growth and not necessarily change that trajectory of what that growth could look like as you move into retirement and still look to have a growth-based portfolio, not too conservative of a portfolio. I mean, all this is possible. So if you'd like to come in and learn more, um, give us a call. Let's set up a time and let's see what your specific situation looks like and what options you have available to you.
2: I like that. Seeing what our options are, that's what it's all about. 888-908-0503. Call right away, 888-908-0503. It's why we give you the opportunity to review your individual circumstances with no cost, no obligation. Now, look for the risk. Do you know how much risk you're actually taking? Are there red flags that could be a problem for you down the line? How much are you paying in fees or commissions? Well, Daniel can help find out what about a tax liability problem yeah that could happen what about finding security in a lifetime retirement income plan that includes maximizing that very important social security benefit and if you want to take advantage of any of this complimentary review simply give us a call right now 888-908-0503 908 503 you have asked plenty of questions daniel's been studying and when we come back We are back on capital insights i'm consumer advocate steve said daniel meyer here is here dan's had a i mean again he's a fiduciary independent nearly 20 years helping folks getting to and through retirement we've had a great conversation today i mean we dug into some areas that that i i I think are so important for people and and i gotta say i learned a lot today
1: that's fantastic that's that's why we're doing this right? right it's you know i i i would tell you i you know i live this every day. And I'm in it day after day with the clients, you know, we've got a relationship and an ongoing basis and things that we're doing. And, you know, sometimes backing up and just going through an example like that. And then the nut and bolts of how we work once we're off and running, I think is really helpful. And we don't, I don't always remember to to discuss those things. And I think it's important for people out there to understand that not all Wealth management models are the same, and you know, if you found one that feels and looks good, you know, get a second or third opinion. Make sure you're you're receiving what you would you would need and what serves you the best.
2: All right, so. Pick, folks, it's eight 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 nine zero eight zero five zero three. So, one question referencing the last segment we were talking, you were talking a lot about income allocation and asset allocation and. Um, can you just ver- can you just kind of clarify that for me and and uh, what that really means between the two?
1: Sure. Um, let me over generalize or simplify just to you know see if I can give some clarity on this. So when people think of asset allocation, let's for purposes of our discussion here think of it as you know kind of the growth mode maybe of your portfolio. The where we're talking about the different categories that you could be invested in you know, stocks, bonds, alternatives, cash, and then the subcategories within them that make them up and um, using a risk tolerance or a process and an assessment to figure out the best way to have a client exposed to those categories. So they're not taking too much risk. They're not at risk for too much loss. Uh, but they're set up to potentially get the growth that they would uh, need long term in their portfolio. Okay, All right. As, you know, so Contrasting that, let's talk you know income allocation. Income allocation is something that we would do specifically so that we can produce regular distributions in the form of income to a client, right. Um, and that can be done within the construct of a traditional portfolio. Um, there's ways that we structure and maybe even ladder out, you know different types of um, bonds or other holdings within a portfolio. We do also, when it's appropriate, look at options for, you know, utilization of, you know, income-based annuities, that type of thing. Um, But I guess one piece of context that I I like to pull this together with is, you know, if if you're coming into that home stretch and, you know, you're starting to kind of have to look at the balance between these two, I would say my bias as a planner is, I like to keep as much of your portfolio in that growth mode as possible, in the liquid, you know, positions as possible. So sure. if we can find a way to utilize the resources that are out there to take as small of a piece of your pie as possible and put it in something that's gonna create the income that you need and then allow us to manage in a slightly more, not risky, but growth oriented way, your portfolio without the same distribution burden, um, that is that is our many times our objective in terms of that transition phase and how we look at the two pieces
2: all right thanks for the clarity i appreciate that and and uh, folks if you have more questions about that daniel be happy to answer them give us a call 888-908-0503 uh and we have some folks that have done just that Uh, let's start with douglas douglas says given the volatile market we've been facing would that make bonds a reasonable and relatively safe alternative daniel we haven't talked about bonds today
1: no and uh so, Douglas, that's a great question. Um, what You know, what's unique to this market cycle that we're in is that, uh, you know, it, it was it's different than, um, you know, they're all different. Each market cycle is different, has its own identity in terms of what's driving it. But when you have a market cycle that's tied to an interest rate hike cycle, um, that doesn't necessarily position bonds really great in terms of being a, a safe haven while interest rates are going up. That being said, now that we're towards the tail end of that, um, you know, you can get a pretty good yield in short term treasuries or short term, you know, bonds or even in some cash products at the bank that you couldn't get a year ago or two years ago. Um, So there is the opportunity to get rewarded in those safer categories, but I would add that, you know. While we're at maybe the tail end or close, getting closer to the tail end of the rate hike cycle, uh, that also has potentially positive implications for the equity market. So if you're if you're taking money out of the stock market to push into bonds, even though there is a good yield there currently, um, it may not be the place that is best set up for the foreseeable future. But you know, Douglas, having a discussion about you know, you know, I know I said a lot there, but how to best balance that within your portfolio is something I'd love to talk to you about.
2: All right. 888-908-0503 is how you make it happen, Daniel. Love to hear from you. Uh, Ellen has a question. She says, I'm 53, and I'm concerned I'm not diversified enough. I have both international and domestic stocks, but at the moment, that's it. Should I look into real estate investments or precious metals? Thanks. Appreciate your tips every week.
1: Uh, Well i'm happy to give them and you know this is a great question as well it's funny that we just covered a conversation about bonds but then in this question um we're talking about diversification and there was no mention of bonds right um so i will preface this by saying that you know diversified enough is a question based on someone's unique situation and what they're looking to accomplish. And there are cases where very aggressive investors don't necessarily have every category. And I don't know if that's you or not, um, Helen, but um, I do think that if you're holding almost exclusively equities, both domestic and uh, international, that considering um, a potential allocation that would be more broadly diversified, including, yes, um, potentially some real estate and other alternatives, maybe precious metals, um, maybe some additional alternative categories that weren't mentioned there. um, And then also um, some bond positions as well. Um, It's not just about the risk exposure for the immediate term, but it's also the way that you know, once that is set up, the way you and an advisor can interact with these categories and adjust the balances as you go, it just gives you a little more flexibility as we move through these different market cycles um, you know, that we'll likely have here in the future.
2: All right. Uh, well, that sounds great. Uh, Helen, uh, give us a call, 888-908-0503. Um, and uh, we will get back to you. The um, uh, Let's see, we got well, we got time for more here. Let's go to Kim. Uh, Kim says, I'm 56 with $600,000 saved for retirement. Now, is it possible to retire at 62, claim Social Security and live off $6,000 a month for the rest of my life? Thanks.
1: Well, that's a very specific question, Kim. Thank you for it. (laughs) Um, so, um, there's some math there that I won't be able to do off the cuff. Right. But I'll give you a couple of thoughts. So first off, um, nice work, putting 600,000 away. That's fantastic. Um, not knowing what your social security would be, or maybe what your, your higher earning years looked like and how much that is going to be is part of this equation. Um, and then also, um, you know so factoring that in it's tough to know how much burden we'd have to put on the 600,000 and what that grows to by 62 to create that income uh, that's going to be an important part of this equation and then also when we talk about financial planning and retirement projections um, it's it's good to do a really, Solid in depth review of your expenses and how they might change when you get to retirement. Uh, So, Kim, not only would I love to sit down and help you look at, you know, get those additional pieces to the financial puzzle, you know, clarified for me so I can give you some more detailed advice, um, but also walk you through a process where you can think about those retirement years. With as much context as possible, um, so maybe it's not a an even number like six thousand, or maybe it is. But then, are there going to be some additional lump sum needs throughout retirement as well? Just get the the question marks all ironed out so that you can see a clear path and know with um, you know higher degree of certainty if that's if you're going to accomplish what you're looking to accomplish or not.
2: Sure. Well, so my question on this one is, is she says $6,000 a month for the rest of my life. That's not taking into account the inflation. I mean, that number is going to have to go up, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, if she has some way that she's done the math where she doesn't want to account for inflation, I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, you know, that's what we would do. We would make sure that not only is it it 6,000 in today's dollars, but that it's going to keep up with the cost of living. And that's part of that you know, assessment of what expenses are truly gonna be. And that's one of the parts of context that maybe I didn't mention when previously answering it. Sure. But, you know, it's just the more detail we have, and then the more detail we, you know, today, and then the more detail we have in our projections, um, the higher level of certainty we have that what we're projecting is, is likely how it's gonna play out. And then as we've discussed many times in the past, we'll build in a lot of flexibility and buffers there so that we can accommodate the unknowns as they come, as they occur. And it doesn't throw our plan out of whack and mean that, um, you know, whether it's a, a hit you can't afford to your portfolio or going back to work when you don't, you don't want to and, mm-hmm. and wouldn't want to have to. I mean, we want to, we, we don't just want to follow the plan down to the penny. We want to build in flexibility such that we can absorb um, unforeseen events as well.
2: All right, boy. On that note, Dan, we have uh, reached the end of the segment. Uh, these things go by so quickly. Let's go ahead and, and wrap it up with uh, one more opportunity to uh, come on in and, and sit down.
1: That sounds great. Well, in having this discussion, I know that I hear from people every day how much uncertainty is out there, um, their way they're feeling about the, you know, what they're seeing on the economic headlines. There's a lot, you know, a lot of concern, a lot of fear. It can be intimidating. It can drive feelings of not necessarily having control or feeling like, you know, there's just too much to deal with in my life. I need to push this down the road. I'll deal with it another day. Um, you know, dealing with it in the future is not necessarily always in your best interest. And in terms of the fear and maybe feeling like it's taking you out of the driver's seat, this does not need to be the case, right? Uh, we do this for a living, we love doing it, we love working with our clients, and if you gave us the opportunity, we'll show you how we work and show you how we can help you. For the next 10 callers, we offer that no cost, no obligation financial review. Uh, Now, this analysis will include a a fee report and a risk assessment on your investment portfolio. This will help you recognize unnecessary losses um, and see if by simply protecting your retirement investment, you could experience dramatic growth potential. We'll also perform a tax analysis uh, to reveal how you could possibly reduce your taxes and increase your cash flow. And don't forget, as a broad financial team, you know we can not just project this, we can help you walk the walk with all these things as well if we decide to work together. And then lastly, we'll develop a customized income plan utilizing proven strategies which could strengthen your retirement income and take the worry out of living in retirement. So no matter where you're at in the you know, preparation for retirement, you just retired, you're a few years in, there's always the potential to make an adjustment and get more on track to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So give us a call. We'd love to sit down and have the conversation.
2: Fantastic, Dan. 888-908-0503. You heard Dan, the next 10 callers are going to get that comprehensive financial review, and you're going to have a roadmap that'll help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 888-908-0503. 888-908-0503. Daniel, this has been a great show. Lots of good information, great insight, and uh, again, really appreciate it.
1: Well, as always, Steve, it's a pleasure. I, I I love having these conversations with you, and I really appreciate everyone that sends in questions and that, that you know interacts with us. Investment Advisory Services office offered by Daniel Meyer, registered investment advisor. During the show, Daniel Meyer provides general information, not individually
0: with personalized advice, and is not liable for any industry's information discussed. Exposure to ideas and products or services should not be considered investment advisor or recommendation to buy or sell. This information should also not be considered Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for your situation. Past performance is not a guarantee, of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when may be worth more or less than a invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed your concerns refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory services. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the ability of the issuing company and are offered through Forge Private Wealth. By contacting Forge Private Wealth, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.